Well, at the time we were um, looking for a, a fresh start at a new church, and so um, we came here by invitation uh, from a friend that um, we had interacted with uh, in, with music. So um, we were invited to, to join. He knew we were kind of looking for something. Um, he was also friends with my daughter, which, which helped that connection. Uh, we knew a couple other uh, faces just from uh, certain circles, but um, basically from invitation, trying something new and different. Well, we came back as we immediately uh, found a community connection, basically. I mean, uh, the people um, were super welcoming and, and, and wanted to talk with us and um, immediately had a connection with uh, Pastor Tom and where he was from. And, and so all those things put together just put us at ease that this could be the kind of church that uh, we could get plugged into. Uh, well, Deborah and I immediately found uh, that the people of Wonder Hills Church were were real, like like they had um, struggles and issues and joys and, and celebrations, just the same as, as any other family. So we felt like we could be a part uh, of something and not uh, hide who we were or not pretend we weren't going through uh, any struggles. So uh, being able to talk to people um, and, and make connections and make friendships um, and then thinking back to how that compares to, to other churches or other kind of uh, parachurch organizations that we've been a part of, um, this church had something special and we, and we saw it. Before. And then there was an opportunity to uh, come on staff at, at Winnebago Hills Church and uh, I had been a part of of several churches on staff and in different roles and, and me and my wife talked about it and we just felt in our spirit that this would be a, a good place to continue um, our ministries, a good place to get plugged in, um, just a, a really great opportunities for, for something uh, new and, and uh, we felt that God was uh, telling us to, to move on this. We definitely love the community connections that, that we have here um, and I don't believe we quite found it or, or had it in, in our previous churches. There were you know, pockets of people that we would get along with, but here it almost feels like the whole church is, is a family uh, as a whole, and I, and I think that's what we're drawn to. We are constantly looking for avenues to invite uh, people to, to come to one of church for that reason, for the community side. Um, uh, and of course we have um, you know, great teaching, great worship, uh, and so the, the whole thing together uh, is is very positive, so we feel like our guest would be very welcomed here and would be very well able to engage into uh, a worship service. My name is Anson Esquivel, and I love my church. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. All right. That's excellent. Well, we're continuing this series this morning. It's week three. We're calling it I Love My Church, and we're just talking about a few things that we do in the church world and ask why do we do it. So um, we're glad that you're here this morning. If you're new with us, maybe that you are, we're invited, like Pastor Hanson said, uh, and we're just glad that you came this morning. So I want to invite you, if you are new with us, if you wouldn't mind just 
given us as much information as you're comfortable on this card. And then instead of dropping it into the offering when the ushers come by, I'd love for you to come see me afterwards. I've got a, a special gift for you if you're new with us this morning. And I'd love to see you at a little table afterwards and just say hello to you. So that'd be great. So uh, this morning, we're going to look at this idea of Scripture and why do we use Scripture? Why is the Bible so central to us? If you got in here this morning and you didn't get sermon notes, uh, Pastor Anton left out in the video, one of the things he loves the most about his church is he gets to run these to you on Sunday mornings when you raise your hand. So if you, if you didn't get one and you want one, um, or if you just want to see him run, go ahead and there we go. And we will see Pastor Esquivel run. Oh, excellent. So a couple of the questions I get often asked, or I think pastors get, is one is, do you get nervous still when you get up to preach? I mean, I get to do it week after week after week, right? Do you still get nervous anytime when you get up to, to speak? And the second question is, how do you know what to speak on? Like, how do you choose what you're going to preach through, Right? Well, uh, let me answer the first question. The first uh, answer is absolutely. So even now, even still, even today, yeah, I don't ever not get nervous to some level. In fact, I don't know any, any speaker, any pr- uh, a person that gets up and speaks that doesn't have some nerves, some anxiety that pops in uh, to them. And so, yeah, even now. But there is a level of anxiety that actually is calmed always. And it actually comes in the answer to question number two. How do you know what to preach on? You see, Pastor Anson and I will get together and we'll talk and we'll prayerfully consider where are we at as a church? What's going on here? What's going on in the life of our people? Uh, what is it we've worked through and what is it we haven't worked through? What's going on in our world right now that we need to engage in? And then immediately we will turn to God's word and say, what does God's word have to say on this? And what God's word has to say on this, we are now going to share with you and teach you. And so there's a level of anxiety and nervousness that actually is squelched because I know what I'm going to share with you any morning is going to come from God's word. And that's our commitment to you that this book will always be central, absolutely central. So here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to show up on Sunday morning, and I don't want to talk about friendship for 30 minutes and then tag in half a verse at the end of it that you can go home and say, yeah, the Bible does talk about friendship. I want to engage in God's word and show you how Jesus teaches us to be friendly, how Jesus teaches us to engage in relationships. If you're a parent and your kids are down the hall this morning, we do not want your kids to go home and say, what was the lesson on? My lesson was on don't hit your brother. And then they, there was some half of a verse tagged on at the end. Now, I don't want them to hit their brother, right? But I want them to be taught the story of God's word down the hall. And then they would learn how to behave and what to do because they know the story of God's word. It's central. Now, just think about it. If you came in here this morning and you're like going to get Tom Raven central, just like whatever's going on, however I'm feeling, that's what you're going to get, right? And let's just say it was one of those mornings, right, where my wife left the toothpaste squeezed from the middle, right? And I always push it up to the end. And I'm just hopping mad now, right? And I carry that in here this morning, and I say, men, here's the takeaway today. The takeaway is, if she won't listen, don't love her. <laughs> Have a great Sunday, <laughs> You'd be like, 
wow, that turned around. Um, that doesn't sound right. What is going on with him today? Or parents, what if I came in here today and it was just one of those mornings? You have them. You know why? Because I stand outside. I see you get out of the car. I understand. I can play the whole scenario in my head of what just happened, right? And what if I stood up here and I'm saying, it's one of those days, right? Parents, here's the takeaway. If they won't obey, ship them away. <laughs> have a great Sunday. The Lord bless you. Yeah. You'd be like, what? what is going on here? Or some of you would be like, amen. Hey, this is... Where is that card? I'll fill it out right now. I want to plug in here. Yeah. Aren't you glad that you're not going to come and just hear what's going on in Tom's life? You're not going to hear based on, I had a good day, a bad day. Like, we want to focus what you're going to hear week in and week out on God's Word. That is why we use Scripture. And so I just want to look at, at, at this a little bit, the, the reasons why I think Scripture is so central to us. There's this passage that's found in the book of Hebrews. It's in chapter 4, uh, verse 12, and this is what it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. You hear that? That like the word of God, like we would actually believe that this is a, a live, moving, and a powerful book. Look, I love to read mystery novels, right? I read two or three a month. Love reading them. I've never read one that I would describe to you as, man, that novel was alive and powerful. Like, those words don't come to mind. I'd say, it was very entertaining. It was a good story. Like, I, I had no idea who did it to the very end. But I wouldn't describe it as alive and powerful. That's what, that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. It's sharper than, any, than the sharpest two-edged sword. It's cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And listen to this. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Like, uh, the writer is actually saying he would believe that this word actually will penetrate you to your core, challenge you where you need. It will actually convict the heart. It'll design and transform you into the person you need to be. That's what this book does. And that's powerful. And so that's how the writer says it's alive. Now, you might be familiar with another passage we read a lot when we're talking about the Word of God. It comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And Paul's writing, he says, all Scripture is inspired by God. Do you know what the, the word all means there in, in, in Greek, in the original language, all? Yeah, you got it. It means all. Like, oh, it means everything. Oh, you got it. Man, you guys are so smart. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us Listen to this. What is true? To teach us. Wow. To make us realize when we're wrong in our lives. It, it actually corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what? To do what is right. Or your translation might say, to teach you God's way. Like Your translation might even, if you, if you have it memorized, you might have it memorized that it's God breathed this scripture. And that's an important word, because when you break that down in the original language, we get this uh, theos, that means God, and then we get this pneumos, and you know what it means? It means breathe, to breathe. And so what we find here is the writer is actually saying that this is God-breathed, like God actually breathed this into existence through the prophets, through the apostles, through the writers, but it was God doing the breathing. I've never I've never spoken about one of my novels I read this way, but here, God's word, it's breathed. Do you know what that means? 
Like when you're reading God's word and you come across a passage that says, don't worry, but instead take it to the Lord in prayer. Like this is literally God's voice speaking to you, breathing this to you, saying, listen, I've got you. Don't worry. Just come. Let's talk about it. Come to me in prayer. That's God speaking. That's powerful. We don't look at any other book that way. Like when, when you're reading this book and you come off really practical things, like uh, you read a passage about how to manage your finances, right? Guess what? That is God actually caring about your practical life so much that he would put this in there so we would understand, wow, the voice of God is speaking to me about better life, about how to avoid pitfalls. And boy, do we get in the middle of pitfalls when it comes to our finances, do we not? God breathed speaking to us. So when we read a passage that's really powerful, that's an all-encompassing, love your neighbor as yourself, that's God's voice saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. Like my son actually came to earth and he taught this in what he did and what he said. This is God's voice saying, look at your neighbor and love them even as much as you love yourself. That's what this this book does. And that's why it's useful in all areas of our life to convict us where we're wrong, to set us on the right path, you know, on the deepest level and to teach us to do what's right, to teach us God's ways. So here's a question this morning. Do we believe it? Like, do we believe that? Do we believe in that being an alive book or, or in a God-breathed passages that speak to our heart? Do we believe it? Do you know the answer this morning? Honestly, it's a strong maybe. Like, it's a strong probably. Strong, it depends. You know, what do you, what do you mean? Um, like, that's how we often live it out. In fact, Barna's latest research says this. 58% of people would claim and say that they trust in the Bible. They would say, I trust that. Like, what we just read, like, I'm on board. This is God's word. I believe in it. We should do what it says. 42% would say, no, I'm, I'm kind of neutral or skeptical or I don't believe it at all, right? So it'd be my thought, this is where I would normally like ramp off and say, I'd like to talk to the 42%, right? But this morning, I want to talk to the 58%. Because the question for us not this morning, uh, this morning is not, do we believe it? It's more, do we own it? In fact, uh, the question for us is, will I really trust God's word? Now, listen to how I worded that. I didn't say, can I trust God's word, but will I really trust God's word? If, if I'm in the 58% and I would say, yeah, I mean, this is God's word. I should follow it. It's a central book. You know, you know I'm glad, Tom, you're going to preach from it every week. But will I really trust in it? Because here's a key point. God's word transforms us when we trust. Like when we trust in God's word, it'll transform us. It'll transform us to the core. When I proclaim simply that, yeah, I'm a, that sounds right, that's not where the transformation happens. It's when I trust. Steve Carter, a pastor out of Chicago, put it this way. He gave three components. and It starts off with the simple, the simple belief. The simple belief is just this, you know, like, yeah, I believe that God's word works. I believe that. I, I, no problem. That sounds right to me. 
But then there comes the stage of struggle. That's when you actually put into place this simple belief. You actually start living out this simple belief. And guess what you learn? You run into a few obstacles. You run into a few question marks. You run into some things you would describe as struggle or hardship, you know, or you know, where the rubber meets the road type of thinking. And then we find that if we would hold to the simple belief through the struggle stage, guess what it becomes? It becomes sacred. It becomes something that say, it's tested. I understand how this works now. Like, I believe God's word. I put it in play in my life. There was some times where because I put it in play, God actually rose some of the darkness of my heart to the surface to be skimmed off, and that was hard. But you know, because of that, this is sacred. I'm not stepping off this for anything. This, it works. This is going to be central to my life. And Steve Carter says, as you might suspect now, it is not until we get to that sacred point that we really understand the impact of the simple belief. And so this morning, uh, I want to just share with you uh, and challenge you a little bit towards this sacred. Now, uh, understand, this morning, there is all kinds of historical accuracy for God's word. If you're one that you really like this, and I really like to geek out on this kind of stuff. So if you would like to go get coffee and talk about historical accuracy, I'd love to do it. Love to sit and talk about that kind of stuff. But you're going to find historically that there are simply more physical documents to back up the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, than any other piece of classical writing out there, and it's not even close. In fact, the the earliest ones are found, they're just about 30 years apart from when they were written in the New Testament. You won't find other classical literature that has that small of a gap. And yet it's very easy for us to believe in most classical literature and call those reliable. God's word is significantly reliable. And I would encourage you, the case for faith, evidence that demands a verdict, those are two great resources to get into and to look at. And there's a number of others as well for historical accuracy. How about scientific accuracy? Uh, There's a lot of stuff in God's word that actually shares scientific info and matches up with things that have been learned scientifically over the years. Like long before Columbus sailed the ocean blue, God's word told us God was seated above the globe or the sphere, maybe in your translation, of the earth. And so you can look in those and find those type of things. How about the prophetic? That if we actually look in God's word and understand there's so many prophecies that are shared in the Old Testament that are then come true in the New Testament. And this is a huge gap of time, 1,500 years that this is written by several authors. And then we'd have these prophecies that come true. When the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, probably the most significant uh, scripture discovery ever, we actually find that the, most, uh, the, the book with the most prophecies about Jesus Christ was contained in it. It's the book of Isaiah. Do you have any prophecies about the Messiah are in there, 125. Now, mathematicians started to put this together and to try to figure out the odds of just about eight of these prophecies being fulfilled in the time of Christ the way they are. And they came up with this equation. It would be one in one in 17 zeros. Now, I don't even know 
like what that mean, what that word is to describe that. Um, my made-up word is it's an exampuous amount of right. Oh, it's a lot. Like it is a lot of zeros there. So Lee Strobel tried to put some feet to this, and this is what he shares. He says, imagine this: if you were to take the state of Texas, and you were to take silver dollars and distribute them all over Texas, two feet deep, right? Now that's big. If you've ever tried to drive across Texas. You know, you're like, I, this will never end. I'm never getting out of this state, right? Two feet high, all across, and you paint one of them red. Then blindfold an individual and turn them loose on the whole state and say, you get to pick up one coin. Go find it. It doesn't make any sense, those odds, right? It's not going to happen. And that's how Lee Strobel tried to put feet to these type of odds. So we have this this historical, this scientific, this prophetic. If you love to, to deeply look at this, there's so many resources out there. Or I'd love to connect with you and talk more about it. But I want to talk to you, especially if you're in the 58% that would say, yeah, I believe this is God's word, the most powerful. And that's his last one. It's personal evidence. Personal evidence. Like, I want to know this. You believe in God's word? Great. You've got the simple belief. Has it made any impact on your life? Has it changed your life in any way? Like, are you transformed? Are you different? Is the way you behave, is the way you speak, how you order your days, what you do with your money, does it make any difference in your life? That's the personal evidence. Because if I were to look and I would ask the question, do you love like Jesus? Like, do you serve like Jesus? Like, do you give of your time? Do you give to others like Jesus did? Because it's hard to read God's word and to get really just implanted in God's word and not have a desire to love like Jesus did, not have a desire to serve like he did, not have a desire to turn and look at the downtrodden or the oppressed or those in need of what you can offer and not do something? Has, has, is there any personal evidence? Has it made any difference in your life? Like when you come across those passages about your finances, have you put it into play in your life? Have you worked through the struggle to become sacred, these things that are taught in God's word? So how do you align? I don't think I've ever heard of anybody who would say, all my life, I aligned my finances with God's word. I aligned my marriage with God's word. I aligned my parenting with God's word. I aligned my career. All my decisions, I kind of aligned them with God's word. And then at the end of their life, maybe on their deathbed, they said, ah, that was a complete waste of time. You know, what was I doing? I regret that so much. I've never heard of a story like that. It's always the flip side. It's always somebody saying, I wouldn't change it for a second. Putting into play what God's word teaches us. We just simply believe this, that if I would claim this book and I would live out what God teaches me in this book, it'll change your life. It'll transform you entirely. Can I just be honest with you? For the first maybe half or so of my Christian life, and this includes time actually being on staff at churches as a youth pastor and stuff. But for the first half or so of my Christian life, most of what I knew about God's word was what I heard other people say about God's word. Heard a good message, right? You know, some scripture and a song, those type of things, you know, before the days of podcasts, but I might have heard a recording or something like that. 
It was what I heard somebody else say. And then it like dawned on me, like God planted on my heart, Tom, how serious are you about this, this being God's word? Because you sure preach it a lot to your youth, you know? How serious are you? And there was that moment, I remember, where I said, I'm going to start diving in here and knowing God's word myself. And where I would describe the second half as me knowing God's word far more from me engaging in God's word. I still listen to the sermons, and I love podcasts to listen to more, but now I'm engaging. And here's what I learned. This is far more of a personal book of me connecting with God and God transforming me when it's me in here rather than me going through a third party listening to someone else. Not that those aren't helpful, but being in it myself is powerful. So it'll change your life if you make this book central. But here's the beauty of what it does as well. We've talked repeatedly about reaching out to people, about who is in your life that doesn't know Jesus. Who has God put you in a unique position to go and share who he is? You put this into play in your life, it becomes sacred what you believe about the word. It not only changes your life, but it changes the life of those who are watching you. It changes entirely. When somebody is watching you and they're like, man, they just live out something that is very curious to me. I'm very interested in this. It just looks so different. It will impact their life. The most confusing thing for those out there, the most confusing thing if they don't know Jesus, is when they look at you and we claim the simple belief, but we haven't held through the struggle and it's never become sacred. Now, listen, I know the bumper sticker. I know. It popped in your head right now. You know, not perfect, just forgiven. All right, could we please not cop out on that? The word of God will impact us and it'll impact everyone around us when we put it into play in our life. And then before we know it, we're like, man, that person I've been praying for, they came to know Jesus too because they had the witness of somebody who saw that this book was so central in their life. My promise to you as your pastor is every week you can come and this book will be central. And can I be honest with you? Sometimes I stumble across a passage or read it in a way I hadn't read it before and I go like, I don't know if I really like that, Lord. <laughs> you know, if I could have, you know, the strike one, two or three, maybe I'd strike a couple passages out. That's a little too challenging, Lord. Um, but what I've learned on every one is when I start putting them into play in my life, I go, I get it. You were right, God. I get it. You were right. And it's powerful. So here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to close off now. We don't have to get super emotional about this. You know, the word is out there. Let's just pray about this. And if in this prayer time, you're like, man, that simple belief, that describes me exact. Like, it's a simple belief. My Bible's in a prominent spot. I don't look at it much, and I don't think much about it when I'm living out, uh, you know, my days. That would be you. Time to go to the Lord and just say, Lord, help me to make this more central. If you're in the middle of struggle, and you can see you are letting it go, you're letting the simple belief go, I want to pray for you especially. This is the hard part. This is the rubber meets the road time. I want to pray that you would hold on. Just hold on to God's truth and God's promises so that your testimony will be powerful and God will show you the life he has for you. If you're in that camp where you'd say, look, I claim the sacred and I can just, you know, I can push Tom out of the way and I'll, we'll share my own testimony, you know. And this morning, I want to pray along with you for the person that's in your life 
that has their eye on you. They're watching you. They're watching you live out the sacred. And I pray alongside of you that they themselves would be drawn to Christ also. So let's, let's go do it. Let's pray. Would you bow with me? Father, I thank you that we have something significant and central in a world that constantly pushes this, the you-do-you type of thing, we can stand and say, no, we are going to do God's word. We're going to do what God teaches us. And so, Lord, this morning, wherever, wherever each person in here is at, Lord, my prayer is that, as it was said earlier, we would take a step towards you. A step towards you maybe in getting into the word and reading the word. Taking a step towards you and saying, I, I read this. I know it, and now I've got to put it into play. Or we take a step towards you and, and those around us that are watching us, and we have the opportunity to be a wonderful witness to them. Wherever you're at this morning, just know your heavenly Father is looking down. He loves you the same as he's always loved you. And this morning, he is so eager to greet you as you take a step forward to him. Would you do it? Lord, we're claiming testimony and, and, and celebration in your name because we're making this book central. We thank you in your son's name. Amen. Amen. I tell you what's beautiful to me. Now, you could sit out there and fake it, I know. But when I see you, like, come with your Bible in hand and I say, hey, we're going to turn to James chapter 3. And then it's like, you know, pages, you know, or, you know, whatever, however you do it, it's fine. Like, that's kind of a beautiful sight to engage in God's word. And you know what's awesome is sometimes I look at you and, like, I say something in James chapter 2, and you're, I can see the wheels are turning. You're like, isn't there a passage, like, you know, a page over or so, and, and you're flipping over? Let me just see if what he just said is accurate, because I, I love that, love that. Because, you know, sometimes I'll blow it, and you'll catch it. You'll say, Tom, um, that's not even in that book of the Bible. That was in Matthew. And I'll say, oh, okay, thank you, thank you. So yes, but in Greek, it's... No, I, I never went on that. Sometimes I'll blow it. But when we engage, man, that's powerful. It's beautiful for, for me to see as well. So maybe bring your Bible along, huh? Maybe engage in God's word uh, while you're here, phone, tablet, whatever. Be great. Hey, let me just highlight a couple things that are happening next week. Um, it's a big week. I told you a while ago that we were having our, our board and spouse retreat. First time we've ever done that. We did that two weekends ago or last weekend. This weekend we did the staff retreat. And I told you coming out of that, basically, we wanted to say, who are we going to be in 2019? What's God called us to focus on and to be our driving theme this year? We're there. We're ready to go. So next Sunday, that's our focus. So I'm asking, make next Sunday a priority to be here. We're going to celebrate that together and talk about that together. If you're new with us and you're like, oh, I'm kind of curious, what would that be? Next week, we're going to walk through that. We'd love to have you back and so, so come along. Now, the weekend after that, um, that's the Super Bowl weekend. So we're, we're going to just do a whole Sunday that's kind of uses that theme. We're calling it Game Plan. And we'll just have a great fun morning with that. A couple funny videos we're putting together, sports-related, that overlap church sports. It'll be fun. Um, great morning to invite a friend. It's really a good morning. So two weeks from now, wonderful time. You can get those invites going right now. And I guarantee they'll come. It'll be a morning. They'll have a good time. And just a simple message about putting a spiritual game plan in play in your life and what that looks like. Sound good? All right, two weeks out from now. Next week, who are going to be in 2019? So, hey, if you got your card, now would be the time to finish filling that out. Any prayer requests, 
uh, you can put on there as well. And we'll drop in the offering in just a second. In fact, ushers, if you want to go ahead and come and take up, uh, that would be great. Um, if you're new with us, again, if you'll bring this card right out to me, I'll be at a little table. I'd love to just uh, make sure I meet you. And we've got a special extra book for you uh, out there. We'd love to, to give you also. So sound good? All right, ushers, go ahead and come forward, and uh, we'll invite our praise team to send us out singing one more. Lord bless. <laughs> 